0: The yeshiva.net. Today also 9.30, there's a class for women here, so you could share with your wives or friends or relatives, that's 9.30, like every Tuesday, right here in this place, okay. So please open up your Torahers to page, where are we? We are 16 on the bottom, Ches, column 4, all the way on the left on the bottom. And not on the bottom, in the second column, one, two, three, four, five, five lines from the top of the second column. So, in the previous class, we began the Maimir of Mayim Rabbim, La Yuchlul by the Balatanya, in the year Tavk of Samaches, 1807. And the main point that was made was that the waters of the flood are called May the waters of Nayach, even though Noyach is the one who saved the world from the flood because the ultimate purpose of the marble was not just to destroy. If you read the story, actually, it seems like the elimination of the people who were filled with violence and corruption, that happened, but that wasn't uh, the only focus, or even the primary focus. And he says practically that could have happened in one moment without the need for this whole uh, long story. The real point of the marble was A mikvah, to serve as a mikvah, as a cosmic mikvah that continued for 40 days, similar to a regular mikvah which contains 40 sa'ah, that could contain the totality of a body of a person, when he or she goes into the mikvah and goes in completely to the water. And so the earth was also submerged completely in the water like a mikvah, which is why it needed 40 days like the 40 sa'ah, that even the top mountains could be under the mikvah, so-called mikvah. And the earth that emerges is a new earth. It's a new planet. It's a different type of planet. It's not the same planet that was pre the Mikvah. Because the earth itself, as the pastor keeps on talking about, the fact that mm-hmm. it's the earth, the earth itself that was transformed through the violence and immorality and the earth itself, therefore, went through a cleansing process. In the process, obviously, those who couldn't be saved, because there was no hope, were not saved, besides Noyach and his family who were in the Teva. <clears throat> Why is this relevant? Because now we can understand that the waters are not just waters of destruction, the way we would see it at the surface. But it's actually mei Noyach. It's waters that create a certain Noyach, a de Noyach from the word of serenity which is all the theme that he began developing in the Mayim, that the soul comes into a world with Mayim Rabim, where it's flooded by a flood of raging waters, which is a metaphor for stress and anxiety and various types of thoughts that flood the human mind and flood the human heart. Nonetheless, nothing can extinguish the innate love, but not only that... As a result of emerging in these waters, the soul reaches a much deeper place. And for that, he explained that it's called May Noyach, which means serenity, because the Mabel is a source for Noyach, for for, for for a new mikvah, for a new cleansing. Now, Noyach is not so, uh, to be, I guess, to be serene is not so simple. <laughs> Sometimes, As I said yesterday, when we go into a mikveh, there's actually the potentiality that it's the bridge between life and the opposite of life. Because underwater, a person can't live. We're not fish. So going into the mikveh is really the beginning of a process that represents something that challenges life itself. And in that process, in that process, which requires so much surrender, the May noyach emerged, the Mayim of noyach, which means Menucha Shabbos is Noyach, Venoch Vayom Ashviyah. So now we go. Now we, we continue this theme. Again, it's page sixteen, the left column, five lines from the from the from the top. But it's already in noyach, so it's a left column, the second half. Shibut May so I understand what you're talking about a marble, the flood, but here we're not talking about the physical flood. We're talking about, he started over the mind, talking about the Shibut aparnasa, meaning the stress and the anxiety that people have when it comes to making a living, when it comes to managing life, when it comes to navigating life. So he says the Shibut, the enslavement, connected with livelihood is also called Meinoach. say, Avram Avinu, Shibut Neged Gehenna. Avraham Avinu chose what's called Chazal called Shibud Malchius instead of Gehenim. Avinu was given a choice for his himself and his descendants. One choice is Gehenim, called purgatory, and other cause was Shibud. Shibud is a certain form of enslavement in this world. Avraham Avinu chose Chazal say the Shibud over over Gehenna. That's what it says in Medrash, in B'Resh Yisraba, Parsha memdalat 44 about of Avinu's choice. What does this mean? Take, take both, both not, say both not. Why, why, do you need either? why do you need one of them? What is it for? So most people interpret Gehenna is a place of cleansing negativity. So instead, of Avinu said, let it happen in this world, through enslavement, through Shibud in the sword. The Balatanya says there's a much deeper element here. <laughs> It's not just pain in this world, pain in the next world. Who needs the whole thing? You're a good father. Get me out of the process completely. So he says you have to understand what Gehenim is. We look at Gehenna often just as a negative punishment. And sometimes it's seen as very vengeful and and. and you know, horrible thing, and uh, people get a little queasy from it. Especially if your whole education revolves exclusively around Gehenna. And the only value that Yiddishkeit really has is that without it, you're going to Gehenna. <clears throat> Which, for some people, maybe works. For some people, works superficially. And for some people, I won't finish the sentence, but you know who they are, so... <laughs> but really he says you have to understand something else that's not the vart he says Gehenna is essentially a part of Gan Eden the, the Neshama can't come into Gan Eden until it goes through Gehenna w- w- why, why not? <laughs> why not? you have to be tortured in order to get cotton candy well, you can't just give me the cotton candy without the negativity the idea is, because what's gonna you have to understand what Ganadin is, what Ganem is. He says, you want the Neshama to come to Ganeidon to be able to bask in the radiance of the Shina. For this, I can't have blockages that don't allow me to experience and be open to the infinity of life. There's even a Ganadin in this world. It says about the others, the Gemara says in Basra, that the others experience their Lamhab in this world, their Lamchatirah B'chayecha. It's not even a geography place. It's a state of mind. It's a state of consciousness. Just like a simple example, taking a person. If somebody has terrible, terrible emotional blockages, they can't experience love. They can't give love. Not It may not be their fault. They're just scarred to the point that they can't receive it. If a person deep down feels that you're completely, completely undeserving of any love, You're just worthless, deep down. It may even be subconscious. It's not like you tell yourself consciously. It may be pre-verbal experiences that have become ingrained in my psyche. And this becomes my paradigm. So then my entire life is defined by this blockage. And you may be in a relationship with somebody who's trying to give you the most love in the world. But naturally, not naturally, but because of this wound, the person just completely can't experience it. They reject it. And the results are sometimes emotionally catastrophic. For anybody who understands this, or you know this from your personal life or people around you, a person certainly also can't give lo- can't give love. They have to go through a process which is similar to Gehenna. What's Gehenna? Gehenna is I have to be able to go and work through that pain, that feeling of unworthiness, which is very very scary and really spit it out or at least identify it and be able to see it and say I'm not going to be defined by it. The ultimate bliss in the world, the ultimate pleasure in the world is ziv hashchina. It's a relationship with ain't Sof. But if I'm completely in a survival mode, in a protective mode, I can't be in there, I can't experience it, I could be there. You could be in Gan Eden and it could be Gehenna. Gan Eden and Gehenna are very relative terms. Two people could sit, be sitting around the Shabbos table or around the Simcha with all their children. One person is in Gan Eden. You could see it on their face. And another person is in Gehenna. Two couples can go out for their anniversary. One set is in Gan Eden and one set is in Gehenna. And sometimes the same set, one is in Gan Eden and one is in Gehenna. Depends who you married to and who they married. <laughs> what is it? It's not the facts, the circumstances. It's where my soul is, where my heart is, how open I am. Sometimes something I want to be open, but sometimes I don't even know how. So I have to go through a process which is painful. It's painful in the sense because I'm identifying wounds that I didn't identify, but only then can I identify it and say, wow, I have defined my entire life based on these wounds. This has become the trajectory of my life. These are my neural pathways. Can I now choose? So it's not Gehenna. is, I'm going to torture you, and once I torture you, now you get cotton candy. Now you can go to Six Flags for 20 years for free. And if you get tortured a little more, you get some more roller coasters. That's a very, uh, it's, it's, it's a very demeaning way of explaining it. Right? And certainly hard to appeal to a sophisticated person, which is why so many, you know, people, when it comes to religion and the whole idea of reward and punishment, they become queasy and they're like, keep me far, far away from this. Like in Tuvia, they ask him, what's the blessing you make on the czar? Right? So he said, Baruch HaTar Hashem, keep us far away from him. That's the blessing. So just keep me far away from this. But the truth is, it's, it's I'm not going to call Gehenna a beautiful concept. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word. But I, I really would call it, it's a type of, of of very deep spiritual genuine therapy. Now, is therapy painful? One of the therapists say? Is therapy painful? Huh? If it's effective, it's painful, right? <laughs> if you, if the guy is just telling you a she'er on the parasha, it's probably not very painful. If it's effective, it's pa- and by the way, it's not only painful for the patient. If it's a real therapist, it's equally painful for the therapist. And if he's a real therapist, it may be more painful for him than for the patient. Because he hopefully has a little less blockages if, he's, if he worked it through. I once heard from a doctor, the Gemara says in Kiddushan, she-ber-ayfim the best of doctors goes to Gehenna. Right? It's not a very nice thing to say when you're talking to doctors. I once said it at a dinner honoring a doctor, so I said it, so they wanted to kill me. Because they were honoring this big doctor and that's how I started. So I said that it says, uh, this is a word, Toiv is 17. Toiv is 17. Toiv sheberofim, a doctor who only believes in 17 blessings of Shemona Esther, because he gets rid of rifaenu, because he's the guy who does everything, so then he goes look at him. So this doctor got up, and he said, don't be afraid of this Gemara when you speak to doctors. I'll tell you what it means, from my experience. He says, Toiv sheberofim, a good doctor, is the Gehenim, goes to Gehenim, not in the next world. He goes to Gehenim in this world. Because he's not a detached physician. He empathizes with a patient. So he says, the Gehenim is in this world. It was a beautiful interpretation, right? So what does this really mean? This really means whenever you're going through a process of healing, you're experiencing some of that, right? The Baal once said, it says in Rosh the Mishnah says, Kol shli ach tzibur. It's the end of Maseches and Mishnayos. A shliach who is not obligated in a mitzvah can't dispense the people in the mitzvah For example, if I want to blow shofar for everybody, I have to be somebody who's obligated in shofar. I want to read the Megillah. If I'm not obligated to read the Megillah, then you who are obligated, you can't be yotzer through me. So the Balshamtiv said the word is called shlech tzibor she'ine mechuyev We touch mechuyev, responsible. Chayev, you're, you're responsible. The word mechuyev in lashon actually means guilty. So he said, if you're shlech you're not mechuyev Bedover. You don't chayev bedina. You don't become. You're not guilty in it. In other words, you're you you're not experiencing the pain of what the people are going through. harabim and you can never extract the people from their pain. Because you're sitting in an ivory tower, gazing from above and giving atos. There was a panel not long ago with two therapists, two very big therapists in the Orthodox Jewish world. One of them is a scholar, he knows his information. The other one is also a scholar, but he has empathy. And the contrast was unbelievable. (laughs) One that was so hard to listen to. Because it was, the facts were fine, but it was just detached. And the other person, at Ibigalept. So you open up, you open up, why, why can't I have, why do I need empathy? Why can't I just tell you the facts? I'll just tell you, I'm sugar, <laughs> You're dysfunctional. Why is empathy important? Why did the Baal Tov say that? There won't be empathy. It's facts, it's about facts, right? You know, when people, I'm just telling you the facts. <laughs> the answer is, if you're talking about, you know, a, a mathematical equation, so facts are fine, you don't have to empathize with a mathematical equation. Somebody asked Bertrand Russell how he teaches ethics when he's not ethical. So he said, I also teach math and trigonometry and algebra, and I'm not a circle and I'm not a square and I'm not a triangle. <laughs> when you're teaching about circles and triangles, you think it don't have to be a circle and a triangle. Better if you're not, stay a person, right? But if you want to open up the heart of somebody, then you have to, you have, to have an open heart. There was a man, his name was Carl Jung. He said, we only change people to the extent that we're ready to change ourselves. We will only change people to the extent that we're ready to change ourselves. If you don't get that truth, I can't really change people. I could preach, but change people only to the extent that you're ready to change yourself. So when you talk about Gehenna, what is Ge- Gehenna is really a very deep process of opening up the soul so that can it release all the blockages. So now it could become in touch with its own infinity. Like he said in the beginning of the Mimer, that a soul is but that oneness with infinity could be completely blocked. That's the purpose. When you talk about fires of Gehenim, fires of Gehenim, people think it's physical. <laughs> they think there's like a barbecue and God throws you into fire. And they even warn people that you're going to get burnt here and burnt there. It's all metaphorical says there's a Shall Shell, there's a So one person God says, okay, it's gonna snow on you for 40 years, and you're gonna be in fire for 40 years. It's really different types of healing. There's a healing that feels like fire, and there's a healing that feels like snow. Emotionally speaking, there's different models through which you can extricate the blockages of a person. Now you could say, but I don't want to do that. It's like somebody saying I want to remain blocked for the rest of my life and completely not feel myself. The pain of that is much worse. The pain of disassociation is much worse than the pain of getting rid of disassociation because that's really going back to yourself. Lech lecha. So the Balatanya says that's Pshat in Avraham Avinu. It's not Avramavinu was like okay, I'll take this torture chamber instead of that torture chamber. No. Just what's Gehenem? Gehenem is a hachana. It's a preparation for the neshama to be able to be it. Because every time a person goes through life and I allow those blockages to be reinforced and reinforced and reinforced, my soul knows it. My soul experiences it. I can't fool my soul. The soul goes into exile. And now I want to eliminate the protectors or the blockages, what we call clippers, shells and husks. So he says, when Avraham Avinu chose shibbut, it's because Shibut is the same process. The stress in this world shouldn't be seen as a process of Ramavinu said, where people are just stressed out. It should be seen as the beginning of Ganadin. That's what he asked for. You understand? That through Shibud, Yichaylem Lalas, Lamay, Lamay, Lamadrega, That's the Mabel. And the noyach. That there shouldn't be just a flood in life. The flood is the is the waters of serenity. What does Shibud mean? Vihine Shibud. So you might learn Shibud means... He says, now remember, this is 1806. The Miami is being said 1806. So you're talking about Tsarist Russia. Under the reign of Alexander, Paul I was assassinated, 1801. So 1806 is the rule of Alexander, just to give the historical context so you understand. <laughs> Sheba doesn't mean that we happen to have the Tsar. We happen to have the Tsar. His name was Tsar Alexander, and he's our king in, 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 in Russia. The Bible was said in Liadi, in Belarus. And he takes taxes. (laughs) We got to pay taxes. (laughs) There was no 501c3 in Tsarist Russia. You got to pay taxes. I have news for you. Even Tabitha Beis Hamikdash was a king and taxes were much worse. He says he had to give a chilek City a tenth. Everybody had to give. So if that's what Shibud Malchus is, that Avramavin who chose Gullus over Gehenim, instead of going to Gehenim, they'll go to Gullus. He says that's what it means that we're paying taxes and we have a melech, and everything that a king came with, uh, the monarchy in Russia was very serious. It wasn't uh, the monarchy in England, which is uh, ceremonial uh, constitutional monarchy. It was serious dictators, these czars. So he says, but that's not the nekud of Shibut. That was even the beis HaMikdush. There was a melech, and you pay taxes. it's a state of the state of mind. When the beis HaMikdush was there, there was a flow of tremendous blessing, our charity. So it's of so with honey to the point where things defied nature. As the gemara explains in the sugi the end of Maseches ksuves. Mazel tov to all those who are finishing this wasn't planned, that the Maimur should uh, quote the end of Maimur's Ksuvus he do, usually doesn't give the Mara right in the middle of the Maimur but the whole sugya the end of Ksuvus is the blessings of Eretz Yisrael in the past and in the future So even though people have to make a living and have to pay taxes but the stress Daigur's anxiety I have to make a living, I have to make a living. You know, sometimes you have to do something, but the pressure kills you. The stress around it. Everybody has pressures in life. The question is the attitude. Sometimes a person has a to-do list, and fine, you go from one thing to another thing, another thing. But then there's the emotional anxiety that's involved. That's not about the actual responsibility. It's about my attitude to the responsibility. You all know what I'm talking about, right? It's the diga, it's the tear, it's the anxiety involved today, he says. Every person has this need to exert themselves and the stress that's connected to living, whether it's parnasal earning a livelihood in terms of financially, or whatever other responsibilities you have in life. It's a marriage, it could be raising a family, it could be a relationship with yourself, relationship with your children, your relationship with your job, whatever it is. Parnassah here is in a broad sense. It's not just Parnassah to bring home up Chetra. Parnassah is living in a world where you could be successful and make a living and do what you have to do in order to be able to live. And it comes, he says, every single person has an anxiety involved. Dalton Ebbet didn't know how right he was about anxiety. <laughs> in 1806 there was also a lot of anxiety. But you would think in 2022... When people got much more money than they had in 1806 in Belarus, trust me, and bigger houses, even people who are struggling, you would think it would be an anxiety-free generation, right? With so much time. Washing machines, industrial revolutions, cars, unbelievable. Huh? Hot water. <coughs> Ability to go on vacation. But he says, the, 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 this is the ship what Avram was talking about. Not just... That there's a government, there's a king, I have to pay taxes. That's not the substitute to Gehenna. That was also in the Shibud HaMikdash. The, the substitute for Gehenna is, interesting, the anxiety inside of me. That's the substitute of Gehenna. So the question is, how do you look at it? You just look at it as annoyance. It's just annoyance. So he says, no, if Rameh said, you have to see it as the beginning of Ganed. That's the Pshat. That's called Meinayach. That's why it's the Mabel. it's called Meinayach. That's the Nekudah. That's what we're talking about, the raging waters, the mayim rabim, the raging waters. It's not that there's a flow of water. Sometimes you have a river flowing beautifully, a canal, a pond, a stream. It's beautiful to look at, right? The ocean, the waves are calm. Mayim rabim is a tsunami, a hurricane. Huh? When you're in the waters, which you're talking about flooding. Flooding. Right, so you're going to drown. Right. You feel like you're going to drown. You're overwhelmed. Oh, 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 oh. So what happens in that marble? <laughs> that's the question, what happens in that marble? So the humanity didn't survive. Noyach went into so a Teva. That's going to be the continuation of the maimer. How the Mayim Rabim, not only they don't extinguish the love, they bring out more love. That's, 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 the, that's the nikud of this maimer. That the anxiety I have in life also also has to be qualified. When we talk about anxiety, it's such a big word. And sometimes a person needs different, you know, a support system and interventions to be able to deal with it. It's not, huh? Right, but I'm saying, you know, sometimes it's also physical, you know, whether it's vitamins or sometimes a medical. You have to be very sensitive and careful because every person, you know, you have to know what the person's situation is. The point here, he's giving a spiritual perspective on how we look at the marbles in our own life that flood us. What's noyach? The serenity of the spirit. Because through this, the soul is elevated to a place that's even deeper than the soul, before it came down into the world. How can that be? Before the soul came into this world, it was enjoying the glory, the ray of the Shechina. So how can there be something higher? He says, One hour of tshuva, of return and good deeds in this world, is superior, is nicer, is more beautiful, says the Mishnah Perkei Yavis, than all of Chaya Elam Haba. How can that be? So most people would say, because here, you know, over there you got to show receipts. The only place you can actually get the ticket is here. So Yav, for but still, the whole purpose is for Elam Haba. How can you say one hour of tshuva is for Chaya Elam Haba? In the pre over there, it says that one hour of pleasure in Olam is better than the whole It's like a contradiction. As the Balatanya explains. These are the key words. Over here you have the light that's born from darkness. It says in Kohalas, Ecclesiastes, Shlomo Melech says, I have seen there's a yisrin. Yisrin means an advantage. Yes, sir. That wisdom is better than stupidity, like light is better than darkness. That's what he says. I've seen. And the question is, really? <laughs> you want a Nobel Prize for that? You came up with a Gewaltica revelation. Wisdom is better than stupidity. Then I can understand that you need for that. Not everybody understands that. Einstein said two things are infinite: the universe and stupidity. And I'm not sure about the former. So I can understand what shleimah melech means when he says like light is better than darkness. Okay, what's the the Balatanya says you have to listen to his words. Everybody learns like the superiority of light over darkness. He says no. Like the superiority of light that comes from darkness. Not yisun er min light over darkness. Light is better than darkness. Wisdom is better than stupidity. Yisun er er that comes min. Usually you touch, yisun er min, min could mean from. Light is, is better than darkness. He says, no, the greatness light that comes minachoshech. There's light that comes from light. Light is light. It's bright. There's a different type of light in the world. The light that's born from the opposite of light. (laughs) The language, it's from Zoya. This is when Sitra Akhira, which means the other side, the side of unholiness, is subdued. Or even more, darkness gets transformed, metamorphosized into light. That's a whole different caliber of light. And we, that is not an Olam haba, because Olam haba is a place of light, of brightness. It's in this world where you have chayshach. It's in this world where you have, like he said before, daigis, stress, where you have the anxiety. It's this world where I can get so stuck in my own darkness. So, what happens now? Avraham Avinu says, I want shibbut. This is the shibbut he's talking about, this type of anxiety. And that's instead of Gehenna. It's just like Gehenna brings you to Gan Eden. This Shibut brings the Neshama to a much deeper place even than it was before. Why? Because To'vim Greater than O'ylam Ha'ba because here is the light that's born from the darkness. And what does this mean practically? A person sometimes is immersed a whole day in material realities, whatever they look like, whatever you're involved in. And there is a lot of stress to this. Again, you're consumed. It's like a tsunami. And that's called darkness. Darkness, it doesn't necessarily mean that the sun set and it's dark outside. Darkness means that I'm in a state where I don't feel light, I don't feel clarity. When it's dark outside and there's no light and there's a hole, I could stumble, I could fall into a ditch, I can trip. Why? Because I don't see my path in life. When I'm in a state of light, I see clearly my path. I know where I'm going, where I'm heading, I know what to avoid. When I'm in a place of darkness, I don't know what to avoid. Like physically, right? I don't know where to go. I don't have a GPS. It's dark, it's dark outside. What does that mean inside a person? A person is involved in darkness, so there's a state of confusion. And who doesn't have that? So when a person is experiencing that, (laughs) And then comes a moment of tefillah of davening. And the same person is Mizbaynan. The same person, Mizbaynan means contemplates. From the word Bina, his Bainanus, right? Lahavin, to understand. Mizbaynan, he meditates. Mizbaynan is like you meditate, you focus in Tfil. Now he goes through a whole process of what a person becomes aware of. Each person according to their capacity. There's. It says in Chazal, no, gla- no grass down here it doesn't have a muzzle up there that tells it to grow. Which means this world is not just an isolated planet. Even a, a blade of grass has a spiritual life force. And today we basically know, or even in science, you know, what we thought was, they used to think that a cell is simple. <laughs> and therefore it's not a Hiddish that it just emerged spontaneously. Today, the complexity of a cell we know is so beyond imagination that the most sophisticated supercomputer program in the world pales in comparison to the information that's organized to create one cell. Remember that a human body has 70 trillion cells or 50 trillion cells. I'm talking about one cell. So every gra- even a grass has a whole, a whole life force. And that comes from a spiritual life force. It's called a mazel that tells it to grow. It's not, don't take a piece of blade for grass for granted. You're looking at a grass, you're looking at a miracle, a scientific miracle. Even a blade of grass that everybody steps on. Just one blade of grass, if it's analyzed, you could appreciate the intricacy of it, the brilliance of it. She'ein le' ma'za and these are the mazolis, which represent the various galaxies and planets in heaven, Chius koilam haza which give life to this world, the sweetness of grain that comes from the sun, and the sweetness of the produce that comes from the moon, meaning the heavenly constellations, like the sun and the moon, how they affect all vegetation and produce, because nothing can grow without sun, without photosynthesis, without the light, without the heat. Everything is affected. But those planets themselves, all the planets and all the galaxies and all the stars, they themselves, hey, mekabelim me ayin sarim, they receive their energy from what's known as the ayin sarim. Just like the seventy nations, there's the seventy spiritual guardian angels of the nation. They're called in Kabbalah ayin sarim, the seventy spiritual rulers of the seventy nations. They're called sarim, sar like the word minister. So you talk about galaxies. And today they just put up a new telescope. You know, they sent a new telescope up. It's called the James Webb's Telescope. And for the first time in history, they have now pictures from stars and galaxies that are 4.6 billion light years away. I don't know if you know what that means. A light travels 186,000 miles per second. Okay? So how long does it take for light to travel from the sun to earth? Eight minutes. So eight minutes of light is the distance from here to the sun. Eight minutes. Now think about that. The sun is pretty far. Now how think, how much is eight years of light? Now think of eight thousand years of light. Okay. Eight hundred thousand years of light. Eight million years of light. Now go to 4.6 billion light years away. We have, we have pictures of it. Everyone has a spiritual source. Everyone has a spiritual design. It makes you quite humble. They just brought pictures last week, they got pictures, this is only 6,000 light years away, it's a 6,000 light years, yeah, what is that, right? Of three, they call it the three pillars of creation, there's an image of certain, you saw it, it looks, literally looks like three pillars of creation, I said it's three pillars of light, each one, each one is like 6,000 light years tall, pictures, literally three pillars that hold up creation. Every nekudah, you're talking about trillions and trillions and trillions of stars. Trillions. And, and and everybody knows that that's only a fraction of the universe, what we could see now, 4.6 billion light years away. So he says, when a person meditates on this, v'amazolus <laughs> is the lowest level of angels, and shmari eifanam is the sediments of the Ifanim and they receive higher and higher at There's a whole process of evolution from the spiritual to the physical until everybody receives from Hashem's malchus. Your malchus is the malchus; it's the kingship that pervades all the worlds. It brings in all the worlds; it creates all from nothingness to somethingness. Vuhurak pchinen ziva shechina b'levad, but this is only the radiance of the shechina. She'enei al pchinen ziva u'leb'levad legabim usi vatzmusi is baruch kovayachal. Shul b'pchinen ain't safe. It's only a ray relative to the essence itself, which is pure infinity. So we begin as Ain Seif It's mamish infinite. Haya, Hovei VeYiabli Shinu Mammosh. Was, is, will be without any change. Kameimer Atul Kaidum Shinu Vreilam Like we say in Davening in the morning, your pre-creation and your post-creation, and you're in the same state. The Ain Seif is the same ain't safe. So he says, "V'achli is Benus Kol Anal B'Ime When a person really tunes into this, but tunes into it with 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 Oime Kadas, with meaning, with maturity, with sincerity, with depth. When a person tunes into it, when a person tunes into us, a person wants to connect to the truth of the world, to the reality of the world. I don't want to connect to concealments and to blockages, I want to connect to the truth of the world. I want to go out of darkness and concealment and connect them. It says in Tehillim, Who do I have in heaven? And with you I desire nothing on earth. So literally the meaning is Tehillim ayin gimel. Who do I have in heaven? What do I have in heaven? And with you I desire nothing on earth. The says, "What is David The person says, "I don't want heaven. I don't want earth. Meaning, I don't want even ganeden, the lower ganeden, the higher ganeden. Why not? Because that's a ray of the shchinah." Sadikim Siddi Gemara says in Brachas, and they dwell in the Zivashchina. I want to be subsumed in the essence itself. In the Zoya, it's called Lishtava, to be swept away, to be absorbed. Lishtava, Begufa the Malka, in the body, in the core of the king itself. This love is called Shuvah. What does Shuvah mean? Return. It's with more vigor, more strength. Because it comes from the darkness, where the person was submerged in vanities of the world. Because the greatest light comes from darkness. This is called, You should love God with all your heart, with all your soul. And then there's, What's my deck? Shu'pkin is blegvul mamish; it's infinite. Shaba dafkim in a hepech; it comes from the opposite shu'achayshek, which is darkness. K'may shekasuf, as the pasuk says in Bereishis, says The last day, this Friday, Hashem saw everything He made; it was very good. So there's a fascinating medrash here in Bereishis Rab. It says as follows: Toiv z'malachayim, toiv ma'oid z'malachamavas. Hashem saw everything is good, that's the angel of life. He saw that it's very good, Toiv Ma'oid. It's infinitely good, that's the angel of death. What does that mean? Toiv Ma'oid is better than Toiv. You know, Toiv is good. Toiv Ma'oid is unbelievably good, excessively good. That's Malacha The answer is, through the opposite, through the darkness. Shubchinis Nefeshapahamis, Yechaylim Love, Lubchinis Avas Bechol Shublik through the opposite, through the animal soul, that allows you to reach the maoid, the love of b'chol ma'idecha, which is b'ligvul mamash, which is infinite mamash. Precisely through the ma'od. What does this mean? What is the Balatanya saying? Here? Whenever negative energy is exploited to become a source for positive energy, the positive energy is always much, much more profound than it would have been without it. In other words, if I have a natural inclination to be positive, to do positive things, fine, it's beautiful, it's amazing. There's nothing like the motivation and the inspiration that comes from tasting the exact opposite. When the darkness is harnessed, when the darkness becomes fuel, when it becomes gasoline that, that generates your spaceship to go up, the momentum, the push, is so much more powerful. Because here, the, the darkness itself becomes the springboard for growth. So it's a different type of growth, it's a different level of growth. It's of a completely different caliber. Because here the very resistance, the very opposite, became the source of rebirth. So it's a, whole different, it's a whole different type of quality. I'll give an example for this, so you'll see how it works. It works in many areas in life, you can see it. Sometimes in a relationship, say for example in a marriage, you have a marriage that goes smooth. It goes smooth, you know, civil, everybody's nice and fine. Dandy. Huh? So don't. Lefayedach, relatively speaking. But the relationship is somewhat superficial. In other words, you show your good parts to me, I show my good parts to you. Reb Mendel Futtefas once told the story that there was a chassid going to his Rebbe, and he didn't afford, he couldn't afford a coach, so he walked. So he walked cities, cities, took him weeks. And he would stay over in towns, and he would continue walking. One day he's walking, and there's a beautiful coach on the road. And the man in the coach is another Jew, and he says, where are you going? He says, he's going to this, he says, I'm also going, I'll give you a ride. Gewaldek, he puts him on the coach, it's a comfortable coach, a nice bench. You're sitting, and the wagoner is, uh, is like the coaches. The wagoner would sit by the horses and and, and, and and lead the horses. And this guy was sitting in the back in his comfortable coach. So he says, where you going? He says, the chasad is going to it and this and this, and then they introduce each other, they introduce themselves to each other. What are you? He says, I'm a big doctor, I'm one of the big doctors, and I have to travel there for a medical, help somebody medically. Fine. So he starts telling the chasad, he says, I don't know if you know, but I'm an extremely prominent doctor, and uh, very, very respected, And uh, but I'm happy to give you a lift. And he tells the chasad, I want to tell you how I run my show. If there's somebody who doesn't have enough money I treat them for free so the chassid says I also do that he was surprised what he does Okay, and then he says not only that if there's somebody who can't come to my house because they're too sick I visit their house he says yeah I also do that says, okay he says if it's a widow or an orphan and I know they don't have money I don't even charge them I give them everything for free he says I also do that He's looking at him, what this guy does, he was a captain, a schnodder, he didn't have a penny to his name, what does he do? And he says, then he continues, he says, if somebody doesn't have money for medicine, I pay for the medicine also. I pay for the pharmacy, I pay for the medicine. He says, I also do that. He Then he says, he says, not only that, I follow up with them. I think about them constantly and I find out how they're doing. He says, I also do the same thing. So finally he plots, he says, what do you do? He says, I do just like you. I only say the positive things about myself. <laughs> I do just like you. I meet people, I only tell them the good things about myself. Right? <laughs> I do just like you do. <laughs> it, it's funny, but it's a deep word. Our relationship, I say the good things about myself, you say the good things about yourself, we're gewaldic. But we know there's a superficiality there. What sometimes happens, and this is very, very deep, and I'm not telling anybody to try this at home, but what sometimes happens is we have to detach in order to attach. (laughs) It's almost like subconsciously one party is driven to do something that undermines the relationship, whether it's small or big. And now it's about to be destroyed because now they're going this way instead of this way. And what happens? So two things can happen. Either they tuck, they drift away, or something deeper happens. What happens? They rediscover themselves from a much deeper place. From their darkness, from the negativity, you rediscover yourself. If you could rebuild from that place, it's going to be much more real. (laughs) Simply put, if I could talk to you, yeah, not like the doctor, right? If I could talk to you about everything, not about the nice things I do, and that becomes part of the relationship, then there's nothing that can destroy it. Because you took the very the very negativity, the very thing I was embarrassed of, the very thing that tears me away from you, the very thing that makes me lonely, and I, you bring that into the relationship, so when now when the negativity is harnessed into a force for positivity, it's a different caliber of the relationship. You understand what I'm saying? The Hala I once said, the Rujana, the I once said. When a Jew sins, very, very powerful. When a Jew sins, what he's really trying to do is he's trying to create a new path of, to God that was never created before. And what does that mean? He's creating a new path. He just went away. So there's a famous poem from Yapsalam ibn Gabidal, right? I run away from you to you. V'yotze v'hoysam. Ma'kash av'yel The ish says, Mamrim Hayisem im Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu says. He should have said, Mamrim Hayisem neged Hashem. You rebelled against God. He says, no, no. Mamrim Hayisem im Hashem. You rebelled with God. Even when you're Mamrim, it's osaim. I'm just looking for a deeper relationship. Subconsciously. Subconsciously, that's the tshuva. That's bechol mo'yedechal. I don't, want to, I don't want the mediocre relationship. I want the relationship that includes all my darkness. So sometimes when that relationship breaks down and we become disconnected, what happens now? We're disconnected. If that... But the relationship is deeper than the darkness. So if now if the darkness becomes a source of new awareness, it's an unbelievably powerful bond. Nothing can destroy it. Because the Cheshach itself produced the light. This light is being fueled by darkness. When light is fueled by darkness, it's a different caliber of light. Because all the negativity becomes part of it. Everything you were embarrassed of, everything you resisted, everything that pulled you away, now becomes part of that. Toiv toiv ma'od The angel of life is good, but how do you reach ma'od? How do you reach the ma'od in life? How do you find b'chol Maidecha? How do you find infinity? I'm finite. How do I find infinity? Infinity I always find through the opposite. Toiv Chayim. Ma'id is a different experience. What's the ma'id? What does this mean in a person's life? When I'm facing that which apparently undermines my life. Over there, lay the potentiality for the deepest type of connection when it's reharnessed into a connection. And it becomes, from finite, it becomes infinite. It becomes That was, you're asking about Rish Lakish. that was the power of Rish Lakish. In that sense. That's why the Gemara says, what makes the Baal greater than the Tzaddik? It's the Yisrin min Minach It's the light that's born from the darkness. Because that has a power in it that's very, very intense. It's the intensity of the darkness. The light doesn't have it. And when that Chayshech is, re, is re-channeled, it's, it's transformed, it's a whole different type of light. So when 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 I don't have to be afraid of my anxiety, when I use, everyone has dark places. What happens with those dark places? That's the question. If I'm afraid of my darkness, or I get angry at it, or I just run away from it, or I repress it, then I never had the opportunity to reach ma'od. I only want to stick to malachachayim. Malachamavas means can you face your own angel of death? We're not talking here about the big malachamavas. He should stay far away. We're talking about the angel that speaks of death, your own angels of death. The angels that want to kill that I feel want to kill me. I feel they're gonna kill me, right? Your own malachamavas. Can you face them? Can you really look at them? And the more death they speak about, the more scary they are the more ma'id the more ma'ayd is here. Because if this becomes my source of healing, you become unstoppable. Does anybody know what I'm talking about or not really? Huh? It's, it's, it's a, it's a hard concept to experience, to do. But it's not a hard concept. It's really a very liberating concept. What's more Earth than er? Charshach. <laughs> right? That was easy in this mimer. But it, that's, that, that's the key. What's more er, the only thing that's more light than light is darkness. And that's why it's not light. Because it's infinite. You hear? Light is light because it's not infinite. <laughs> How do you get to the infinite light? You're not going to get it through light. The only thing that's more light than light it's so light that it's dark it's like when you look at the sun it's blinding it's so light that it's not even defined as structure of light it's defined as the opposite it comes in the, you know, the black hole in science there's a black hole what's a black hole black hole doesn't mean it doesn't have light it means the power of gravity is so deep that it pulls all the light inward and it doesn't allow any light to escape so it becomes a black hole Everything in the world emits light. But the black hole, the gravity, is so deep that it pulls it, it pulls all the light inside so the light can't escape. So it has so much light, it becomes a black hole. <laughs> you understand why it's called a black hole? Because <laughs> it has too much light. No light escapes. So where's the more light? And the black hole As much. So why is it called a black hole? Because the light doesn't escape, so it's all chayshach. You don't, it's a hidden love that you only know that love exists. Yeah, yeah. Where is it hidden? It's hidden in the darkness. In other words, everything is light. The question is, what form of is it? Is it, because it come across as light? That's one level of light. There's a deeper level of light that doesn't come across light. It comes across as darkness, but it contains much more light. The question you'll ask is, why, why does it have to be that way? Why can't light just be infinite? That's going to be the next piece in the mind mirror how that happened. It has to do with Shfiris HaKelim, with Toihu. He's going to explain that in the next piece. He's not explaining yet why. There's a why here. But he's explaining the idea that this Chayshech has something that's much deeper. So when it's channeled into light, it's a different type of light. When you bring your darkest places into the relationship... With yourself and with God and with the, another person, the relationship has an infinity. The love knows no bounds. It's an explosive love. Not bechal maidecha. means very. How much? What's very? Very? What's very? Very rich. How much is very rich? A million? Ten million? The answer is. <laughs> Wherever it is, it's more, right? Very, very, very. So, what's B'chal Ma'idacha? With your veriness. <laughs> How do you get to your veriness? I know I made up a word. V R Y hyphen N E S S. How do you love God with veriness? And the answer is when I confront darkness. How do you love with your veriness? How do you get into your ma'id? You only get into ma'id when you confront Chayshach. Because infinity is fueled from the opposite. So he says, the Balatania says, this doesn't happen in Olam Hab. In Noelam everything is beautiful, <laughs> but in Olam Haz, uh, he's involved in darkness, and then he gets up, he davens, and there is this—the anxiety creates a new love. It's like, get me, get me to a place of clarity, get me to a place of light. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. You ever said that to yourself? <laughs> I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? That allows you to do things that you could never do if you're not sick and tired. <laughs> if you're not sick and tired, fine. You're a good guy. It's Kavaldik. In Yiddishkeit, the my Decha only comes from Chashach. He's not romanticizing darkness here, that's not what he's doing. <laughs> He's not romanticizing struggle and anxiety. That's not the vart. You have to... You understand? He's explaining the opportunity that a person has not to be afraid of any part. On the contrary, when something is scaring you, it's a malach ha-mavus. We stay far from the malach ha-mavus. Emes? So he says, Habnish Maida, you're, you're bigger than the malach ha-mavus. <laughs> malach mavus is just there for Ma'aid. He looks very scary, you know. His bark is bigger than his bite. He looks like a scary guy. So you uh, uh. he's hiding something. And the scariness is because he's hiding something very deep, and he himself doesn't know what it is. So, he's scared. so it's scary. The reason that darkness drives us crazy is because it has divine insanity in it, because it has bleak wool. You have to be typhusness. The reason it's so dark is because it has too much positivity to be normal. You understand? Light is structured. Light is beautiful. This is too. It's too intense. It's so intense. It's infinite. So it comes across as the opposite. It's hidden in the opposite. The main thing is you don't be afraid of it, because when that when when that itself can fuel me to a new awareness, it it unleashes. It's a, it's a different momentum. It's a different energy. It's just, he says, in Eilam Haba, you get the radiance of the Shechina. Here in Eilam Hazza, you get the Atmos Atzmos is the core that's ain't Sof mamish. That's deeper than Ziva Shechina. Okay, this is pretty heavy stuff, and it's new stuff. It's 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 uh, huh? Eilam Haba is no anxiety. That's why I need to go through Gehennem to get to Gan Eden, to get rid of the anxiety. You understand? So he says, the shibud Malchi is the shibu, that's the main noyach It creates a different type of menuch, a different type of serenity. On a very practical level, it means that which drives you most crazy. that what makes you hate yourself most. That which really sits in the depth of your chest and eats up at you. Let's call it your darkness, your Malach your angel of death, your lowest angel. Over there lay the opportunity for the deepest form of renewal and love and attachment. You say, No, 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 <laughs> no. Not there, not there. Just cut it out. It's not the tragedy of your life, it's the gift of your life. It's hard to say this because it's a malachamavas at the moment, but that's what he's saying. Hashem saw two things. He saw toiv and he saw Ma'id. When he looked at the angel of life, what did he see? Toiv. When he created the Malach what was he creating? Ma'od. Don't look at your darkness from an earthly perspective. Look at your darkness from the divine perspective. From the divine perspective, it's a Toiv ma'oid. It's an opportunity for Ma'od. Okay, we'll take a break here. A good chaydush to everybody. It should be a good month. Be'ez HaShem will continue Thursday morning, 7.45. This class is brought to you by theyeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.